0: As much as we talk about green jobs and things like that, for young people, often that reality isn't really manifesting. And so we needed a data set around what is it that young people are asking for to start to unpack real pathways towards intergenerational collaboration on climate.
1: Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Today, I'm speaking with Meredith Adler, the Executive Director of Student Energy. Student Energy is leading youth engagement in climate and sustainability globally, from Canada. Meredith and I discuss how student energy is empowering youth to find their voice in the fight against climate change. This Cleantech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG. A global leader in intellectual property law, Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian cleantech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment, to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit gowlingwlg.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. So Meredith, tell me how did you get started with student energy? What was your experience coming from academic to leading this organization?
0: That's a great question. I got here from a pretty circuitous path. I think my initial obsession in life was really with youth empowerment, but then went to university and ended up studying human geography. But as I got into that, I really realized that if you care about human rights and if you care about these things, um, there are really some systems that fundamentally have to change if you're going to address the root causes of what's going on. And so from there, I got really into energy policy um, and really had only taken one class in it. But ended up landing my first job at a think tank, working on communications, working on energy, renewable energy. And that was really a strong training ground for me on on where to head. And then as I was compiling a newsletter one day, actually, I saw a posting for this job at Student Energy where they were looking for someone to start a chapters program with the organization. I was like, wow, these are all my things. This is a global organization. Um, It's youth empowerment and it's energy. And so I was really excited to join. And that was actually... Just about six years ago, and four months after joining as the community manager, our then executive director was leaving. And so I, I took over the role um, and, and became the solo employee and executive director, um, and then have been growing the organization since then. So now we have about 40 staff on four different continents um, and a network of about 50,000 youth in 120 different countries. So, and we do everything kind of from what is a solar panel and doing online learning. All the way through to next year, we'll be launching student energy ventures and our careers training, which is really getting everyone kind of the full way along the path um, to starting their energy or climate career.
1: That's amazing. So in 10 words or your elevator pitch, how would you describe student energy?
0: We're a global organization, we're working to empower the next generation of energy leaders with skill and capacity building, and we work with governments, companies, and organizations to create meaningful youth engagement opportunities and to help integrate young people into how we shape our climate and energy future.
1: Sounds like you've said that a few times, I know what it's like. (laughs) Yes. You talked a little bit about a new venture program, are you allowed to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Definitely. So a big piece of this year for us has been launching our solutions movement campaign, actually, with UNDP and Sustainable Energy for All as part of UN Energy's big um, movement to catalyze how we achieve SDG7, so clean and sustainable energy for all by 2030. And so Student Energy was asked to lead on a youth energy compact within that. and, And through that, we really decided to focus on what does it take to do the skill building we need to to really make sure that we have a generation of people who are ready to do all the deployment we need done um, by 2030. And so for us, that really looks at making sure that young people are able to start their own projects, start their own businesses. And so Student Energy Ventures will be a direct to youth funding program where we provide funding and grants for people's first larger scale energy project um, and two years of coaching and mentorship. So very much a pre-accelerator program meant to widen the tent on who can get into clean tech work, other climate work, and and really provide that feeder program for so many of the incubators and accelerators like Foresight that exist around the world that, that have great opportunities, but most young people need another step in between their education and being able to get there.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And now energy, it's def- well-defined. Tell me why you chose energy as opposed to emissions reductions, bioeconomy,
0: or water. That's a great question. So student energy actually started in Calgary, Alberta. And so a piece of that is really that our founders were working in the oil and gas industry and going to school at the U of C and really wanting to talk about how does this energy system that was so prevalent around them actually become sustainable and become climate safe. And so that was really where we started was was, was in Calgary. And I think that's a big part of of energy. Um, But really for us, energy is taken in a very meta sense. And so we're really looking at anything that the energy system touches. So food is involved in that, water is involved in that. Um, And so we do have a pretty broad lens on on what does it take um, to create a climate-safe future, but we actually see energy as just one of the core systems that really both provides for quality of life of people. Your energy access um, really determines a lot about your health, your education, your economic opportunities. And that's really important to us as an organization. Equity has always been a really core principle for us. Um, and then energy is one of the systems that most fundamentally needs to change in order for us to combat climate change. And so um, so that's, that's where we've tackled it. And I think from an educational standpoint, from the standpoint of empowering young people Learning about the energy system and learning how it works and learning to think in a systems way using energy as a tool and a guide really opens up a lot of doors for people and is a great enabler of how do you how do you spark systems level change if you can understand the energy system, you can start to understand a lot of the other systems that. Um, are determining how we how we work on climate and so for us it's been a great catalyst to have those conversations with people and really approach education from a different standpoint and from this experiential education standpoint.
1: That aligns with my thinking as well. I mean at the end of the day energy is required to do pretty much anything in particular with industry, whether you're you know producing lumber or oil and gas or you know, manufacturing a product, at the end of the day, an energy source is required. And while we all start at oil and gas, and Foresight as an organization does a lot with the oil and gas sector as they navigate their net zero transition. But so many other spaces are reliant on, on different types of, of fuel and, and energy to do what they need to do. So whether it's renewables, or, you know, the new, what we're seeing transition with alternative fuels, whether that's going to be hydrogen, you know, low carbon natural gas, uh, depending on sort of where you are Uh, at Foresight, we're really looking at how do we look at energy decision trees? You know, where do you use electric electrification? Where do you use traditional fuels? Where do you use biofuels and renewables, etc, etc. So really, really, I think, fascinating conversations on on energy broadly. So I heard you hit cop Twenty-six after me. I was there uh, the first week and I believe you attended the second week and Student Energy released a Global Youth Energy Outlook. Can you tell me a little bit about that report? Definitely.
0: Um, yeah, COP was really busy uh, for us and, and the outlook was a big piece of that. So our Global Youth Energy Outlook is a first of its kind research report where we worked with over forty-two thousand youth globally on what it is that they want from the energy transition and how they want to be part of it, and so and we had twelve regional coordinators um, working all around the globe who also facilitate deep dive dialogues and really brought forth a lot of data for youth and and so to back up as to why we did it, um, for us there is or not just for us, actually globally, there's a really large data gap on young people and energy. And and that can seem surprising in that, you know, obviously we know about the youth climate protests, we know about different pieces that youth have done. but ultimately, not a lot of people are really tangibly talking to and engaging with young people about exactly what it is that they want and what they're looking for. And so this is really establishing a baseline of data and evidence as to what it is that young people expect from governments and companies going forward and how they want to participate and how how important it is for them. Um, to have a role to play. Um, as much as we talk about green jobs and things like that, for young people, often that reality isn't really manifesting. And so we needed a data set around what is it the young people are asking for to start to unpack real pathways towards intergenerational collaboration on climate um, with governments and with companies that are climate involved. So, so that's a big piece of why we did this work. Um, and then at COP, you know, it did spur a lot of conversations because we found some, some really fascinating things um, for instance, like 87% of young people say that they would vote for a politician based on climate or energy policy. Um, and, in, you know, even in tons of young people actually are really hopeful about our climate and energy future. But once again, we did find that that a lot of the pathways don't seem to be there for them. They're not necessarily sure where to look for training or they don't feel like their university system has what it needs. Um, and then the other thing that we're finding is young people are really set on on timelines, on trying to do as much as we can by 2030, 2040 to really set ourselves up for success on net zero. Um, and they want to see a lot of really strong government leadership. They want to see government setting strong rules as to how we, how we do this and how we achieve this change. And so
1: if you were to pick out sort of one of the one or two of the top priorities that youth are saying about their future is it really that leadership from government or is there another strong indicator there that we should be sharing
0: with the foresight community? It is leadership from government, but I think they also want to see a lot more cohesive of action. Um, I think what young people are, are a little tired of at this point is, the continual kind of launching of new initiatives and announcement of things, but no necessarily real data on on how do people plan to achieve these these goals and targets. And so I think the number one thing for the foresight community is to think about, you know, how are you going to rise to the challenge of doing the best you know how to do in terms of climate and energy action, not necessarily just doing the bare minimum. And I think for government in particular, Um, you know, what young people want to see is governments making more decisions based on climate science and based on on what needs to happen and really making those funding decisions as well. And then actually a lot of them suggested taxing uh, larger corporations, um, larger emitters to make sure that that we have the funding to pay for that. So I think all in all, what young people are looking for is much clearer and stronger leadership across the board. I think the other thing, though, that was really interesting and a big call to action for us is that fewer than 25% 25% of young people have ever really been asked their opinion on climate or energy by any layer of government. And I think fewer than 20% as well on by business. And I think for us, what that really shows is that really if you're a climate engaged business or if you're a politician, that's, that considers yourself to be a climate champion um, you know, you're really leaving a lot on the table in terms of motivated voter bases, motivated consumer bases or even your next generation of employees when you're not actively engaging with young people on climate and energy, because we know that, you know, for instance, the great resignation is happening right now. A lot of people are having a hard time finding talent, but at the same time, people aren't necessarily looking at how can I be building relationships with the young people that both are going to work with me to make this happen, but also are going to be able to make sure that, um, are also going to be really our voters and our consumers that buy these products and, and continue to champion these causes going forward. And so I think for us, that's a huge call to action is that there's really great ways to be engaging and working with young people. But um, but there does seem to be a big gap in the comfort level of businesses uh, and governments to do that. And also in the knowledge of how to do that and how to have those effective relationships.
1: And so with that theory like essentially if government leaves businesses will follow is that what you think?
0: It's not exactly what I think but I think basically the idea is really that people want to see government setting strong rules and standards on on how we do this and I think the current what our research shows is really that people are feeling governments are are much more wishy-washy in terms of what they're asking for and that they're much more able to be influenced by other other factors whereas You know, we know that from climate science, the data shows that we really have to get stringent about what is the pathway to net zero and how are we starting to unlock that and making sure that, you know, there are a lot of unknowns, but ultimately there's a lot of things we do know that we're still not enforcing right now. And so so I think that's really what young people want to see is government showing real leadership, not necessarily... Um, you know, being soft on, on what needs to happen, but being pretty firm on, on where we need to go and how we need to do it. And then working with businesses to make that happen, I think is, is really how I would see it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Thinking about sort of clean tech in Canada and globally, do you see uh, that a lot of these youth are interested in working with clean tech ventures Or do they want to spearhead their own companies or do they want to get into industry and help industry transform with that more, uh, I'd say, uh, problem-passion-driven work ethic?
0: That's a great question. I think for cleantech in general, I do think there's a good amount of work for us to do to really unpack and demystify what clean tech is for young people. I think for those of us who have been around the climate sphere for a long time, it can seem... Um, you know, really straightforward, but actually for a lot of young people, it is pretty far removed from what their professors at university might know about or what their parents have done. And so um, one of our missions really is to actually help unpack all these different pathways as you just described them. Um, Because what we do see is that there are a tranche of young people who want to be entrepreneurs, but I think there's also a huge amount of young people who are really looking to join something that's already impactful and where they can learn more. And, And we talk a lot at Student Energy about the value of intergenerational collaboration, about how when you pair um, people with 30 plus years of experience, Um, and young people who are really motivated and can kind of see problems in a new way, it can be a really magical formula. And I think that's very true of the young people who are interested in clean tech right now. They're interested in in kind of building on what has come before and being able to to move things forward um, collectively. So definitely a lot of interest in joining startups, but I do see a lot of interest in joining other corporates who are starting to integrate these things. Um, but across the board, what we're seeing is that young people are really looking for sincerity in how folks are taking action. And and definitely what I hear a lot of about you know, companies that are really successful in, in retaining this talent is it's companies that are kind of looking at these challenges with eyes wide open, really telling the truth about what what needs to be done and and what what it will take. And then um, and then integrating their young staff into how are we going to start to unpack this and, and create pathways forward? And, and what do we know? And what do we not know? And where are we going to go with all of those pieces of information?
1: It's so clear that youth are looking to play a pretty significant role in climate change, whether it's through innovation, mitigation, education. Is that enough? Like, what could someone do, an organization, government, to help give you and the network that you're representing and supporting have a bigger voice on this topic?
0: That's a great question. I think um, for us in our organization, and I think for youth more broadly, one thing is to really start to take young people seriously in terms of what they're, they're looking to achieve. And I think often um, it can be Pretty common for young people to be pretty dismissed around, oh, well, they want net zero by 2030. And that's totally not realistic. And so then people just shut off at that point in the conversation rather than investigating, you know, why are they saying that and what are their ideas around it and that type of thing. And so I think there there is a need really for more openness to who belongs within conversations and how. Um, And I think that's especially true of the energy industry where the average age is something closer to 55 years old. Um, There are fewer women, there are fewer people of color within the industry. Um, And that's definitely not what our network looks like um, in terms of both gender and and race and different demographics. And I think, um, you know, it can be a little bit scary, honestly, for governments and for industry to, to meet with youth. I know I've definitely been told more than once pulled aside and asked if my participant is going to be yelling at someone's CEO and have to assure them that they're not. And so um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, but it's, it's a funny story, but it's, it's also really speaks to the challenge is that everyone's really tiptoeing around each other instead of kind of diving in and trying to solve these problems together. And so for governments and for industry, I would, I would say, you know, you can take youth really seriously as a partner in these in these pieces, but I think also part of taking them seriously is recognizing that it does take take resources for that to happen. I think often there's this misconception that young people have infinite time or kind of infinite resources to spend on these things, but you really need to approach partnerships with young people as you would approach a joint venture with another company or a partnership with another, you know, liberal of government, Um, you need to approach it with intentionality and with shared objectives and with thoughts towards, okay, how are we going to support each other going through these pieces and, and really, um, and really recognize that, while you know, people who've been in industry for a long time have a lot to teach the next generation. There's also a lot of reverse mentorship that can be happening in terms of, of making change happen, and I think that was really the the number one thing I would call for is is an openness to to working with new types of people, but also, you know, a sincerity in pursuing, um, in pursuing those relationships and taking them really seriously. I love
1: that. I was at uh, a session with the prime minister uh, right before COP, and there were many youth at the at the center uh, and one of the youth representatives really stood up and said, you know, youth isn't for the future. We're here now. We're here ready to do things and ready to ignite change and support change. And I I thought everyone in the room had to really take a pause and a breath and think, wow, yeah, that's right. Like this isn't looking forward 10, 15 years. Thought leaders come from all ages, all demographics. And quite frankly, 2030 is going to come faster than we can even blink. And is I don't even know personally if it's fast enough. I think there's things like you said that the youth are acknowledging that we can do now, and there's no need to wait. And we need to rip some band aids, make some decisions, and get going with it, as opposed to as opposed to sort of, uh, well, let's call it what it is: greenwashing or uh, talking ourselves out of not doing it uh, for for some
0: sort of less than less than risky way. Definitely, and I think one thing that's often lost on people is. The average age of the world globally is under 30. And I think in a lot of countries that either have really high carbon intensity electricity grids or really lack energy access, your average age is something close to 25 years old. And so if you're not really thinking about how are you engaging people earlier, you're really just not playing the long game on how we solve these problems. You're you're potentially excluding the majority of the workforce and also Um, You know, a lot of people make up their minds about how they're going to vote, how they're going to consume by the age of 25. That's what psychological research shows us. So if you're not engaging young people, you're really also making it much harder to make progress in the future. If people don't understand who you are, how you operate um, and and help help them (laughs) see you as part of the solution, really. All right. Now I've got a
1: question more for you. Why is this cause so important to you? And why are you investing all of this time, energy, passion into it? I think
0: for me, I'm really passionate about it because I just see so much missed opportunity, to be honest. I I see so many times where people have great ideas, but they're not really getting them off the ground in terms of having enough people supporting it. Or, um, you know, there are infinite ways to start to change different systems, but people can't find the staff or can't find the funding or other different pieces like that. Um, And so, and a lot of it really does come down to the fact that we're missing the opportunity to, to, to work collectively and work together. And young people are so good at that. They're actually really good at, at coming together, examining a challenge and starting to find a cohesive way forward. That's based on some core human values. And so, for me, that's really what it comes down to is, is how do we value people um, and how do we make sure that we're moving together more cohesively? And so um, this is a little bit of a convoluted answer, but ultimately that's that's really where it comes from for me is, is I can't stand watching you know reports go out that are brilliant and never get read, or um, you know, great business ideas that never get funded, or also incredibly talented people that have. Come, that are coming from groups that are frankly systemically excluded from climate and energy and environmental work, um, who would be such champions for the industry if we could just open our eyes to how to work with them. And so for me, it's all about making sure that we're taking the most advantages we can of the resources that we already have. And a lot of those resources are really human ingenuity, if we can make sure that we're starting to get the right people at the right tables. Amazing, amazing.
1: Okay, to close off, You know, you spent six years at Student Energy. You have lots of opportunity ahead of you. What does success look like for you
0: and the Student Energy team in 2025? In 2025, our Solutions Movement campaign um, will be well underway. And so having that full portfolio built out um, and being able to start launching a lot of those larger scale youth projects and really proving what people can do, I think is the biggest part of success for us. Um, but then I think also looking towards our theory of change, what we really want to see um, and what I think is starting to happen is really um, this idea that young people in all types of generations and, and people can be involved at decision-making levels and be working together. And so, definitely see more success stories coming from business groups, government groups, and others who are, who are ready to do that, who are ready to really work on empowerment of young people and thinking differently about, about what leadership um, leadership look like for all of us. And so, so those would be my two things, big projects coming from young people and then really cohesive intergenerational leadership going forward on climate.
1: Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I just reflect back on that you know, time two and a half years ago, we were on a stage, both of us organizations of two people and now Student Energy is a massive global going concern. Um, we're here to support any way we can. Congratulations on the success, not only for you, but the entire network that you're championing and leading. I love it. We look forward to supporting any way we can.
0: Great. Well, thank you. And same here. I think um, we've all been really inspired by your work and I'm so excited to see that continue to grow as well.
1: Thanks for listening. There are so many ways you can get involved with student energy. Check them out at studentenergy.org. Next week, our panel of investors are joined by Alex Ipp, co-founder and director of partnerships at CERT Systems. See you then. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at ForesightCAC.com or follow us on social at ForesightCAC.